Hello, I'm Dr Naomi Richards. Thank you for listening to this End of Life Studies podcast from the University of Glasgow. For more information about the podcast, please go to glasgow.ac.uk forward slash end of life studies. It's recorded in November 2020. Postdoctoral Research Associate Dr Jane Rowley talks to PhD candidate and funeral celebrant Tracy Ward about changes to funerals during the coronavirus pandemic. So I guess the first thing to ask is how has your work as a celebrant changed during the pandemic? Yeah, so essentially the, um, the practical application of it hasn't changed. I still um, meet with the family uh, in terms of how I meet with them that has changed because I'm now having to meet with them, not personally over a cup of tea and being able to establish rapport in that way. Mm. Um, you know, dogs are a great um, tension breaker and cats because you go in to a house of mourning and you know, the cat jumps on your lap and we all laugh and then we have a shared experience. Um, so it's very different in that respect because I have to conduct meetings either by Zoom or by telephone. Mm. The, 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 process then is that I would take information from the family and construct for them a ceremony which I will then get up and perform and uh, if it's in a in a crematorium I would be the person who's pressing the buttons to close the curtains and take their loved one from their site permanently or to leave it open for them In the burial, um, I do do the same job in that I would do a much shorter version and then the committal of the body into the grave. Um, and that one is quite different because in a COVID death, in the first round of uh, lockdown, the body wouldn't be gracefully lowered by um, the pallbearers on mm. the ropes. It would actually be lowered before the family arrived and it would be lowered on a forklift truck. And sometimes families would see this, which caused great distress if they're not prepared for it. So there were some practical applications that changed in terms of keeping people safer, um, and some which were around much more difficult emotionally. If a family had lost a loved one to COVID, they may themselves be left isolated in the house with no one to comfort them at all. And I think the biggest change was that for some of the crematoria and burial grounds were closed completely during the first lockdown. Mm. And so there were families and friends who were unable to attend a funeral at all. And the whole thing would have been online. Mm. Very difficult and a very different circumstance. And you know, for us in, in getting together of this conversation, my understanding is that you personally have had this experience. Mm. Well, yes, yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess the first thing that I was wondering about when you were talking was uh, about the changes in a, um, a burial. Were you, were you aware of those changes? the first before it happened for the first time no it was it was really shocking yeah it was really shocking rather than see the dignity of uh, you know for crombie clad 
pallbearers gently lowering the coffin as you spoke the words of committal um, to see a coffin you know probably six foot up in the air on a on a um, one of these big you know jacked up things it's um a very difficult experience mm. to see because I I see with the eyes of my clients um because I'm seeing it first because I walk in front of them and that was really challenging to see that for them as well I could hear them gasp mm. um the professional funeral celebrant I took my gasp internally but it was nonetheless it was there yeah and it's the last thing that was left was dignity in death it's the last of the kind of social mores that we have that there should be some dignity afforded mm. and this really confronted and really compromised that dignity for families across the country so not only are you um meeting people virtually you know online or on the phone you're mm. also then having to introduce these changes which you're just learning about almost on the hoof for want of a better way of putting it yourself so so and 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 as you say that that um challenge around dignity which I'm sure you're trying to maintain for people Mm. gets really difficult when the rules have changed so much yeah you you get people argue with you about them as well which is is not what normally happens I think people have all become experts now Mm. as we go into this second wave we all have our own understanding of our truths Mm. and uh, you know I have had somebody shouting at me um, saying that you know I was wrong about how many people were allowed to come into the chapel Mm. uh, because they'd heard on the radio and it was radio four that they'd heard that you could have 30 people in a chapel therefore I was wrong and they were coming in Mm. Um, and this is tension again in front of the family you know I'm not there to referee I'm there to help people to say their final farewells mm. and there, there isn't enough information still so nationally yes 30 people can attend um, a funeral but if you have a very small chapel and every single crematoria and graveyard across the country is different mm. they have to do their own risk assessment mm. so you know there's tension for people when there shouldn't be it should be you know a really simple process for them they come they feel looked after they feel cared for they get Mm. a seat to sit on to say goodbye to somebody that they've cared about or Mm. that they've loved Mm. and and that doesn't always happen now so so in my experience then thinking about um attending the funeral Mm. the celebrant um was perhaps under more scrutiny for me as i watched this ceremony online um and the rules changed in from the death of my friend to the funeral. The rules changed twice. Mm. So at one point there was more people allowed, in, in our understanding, there would be more people allowed and a different venue was chosen. And then a couple of days before it changed again and it was reduced to a very small number of people. Um, so there were just his parents and... Um, his children that were allowed to go and then everyone else was sent a link to watch this online and I found myself thinking through the ceremony who is this person the celebrant and how are they feeling and um they get to be there at this ceremony 
that so many of us weren't able to attend and and I had very mixed feelings about it it was really tricky and so hearing from you about how you've experienced it and just had to um find new ways of working um mm. is is really interesting for me because I imagine a lot of people have perhaps shared this the experience that I had that it made it all quite surreal and not mm. as real um yeah because it was online there were so many funerals at the time that there was a very specific time slot and the ceremony was cut off before it was finished mm. and then we were sent another link to say you can watch this later mm. um which i haven't felt able to do I, I didn't i didn't really want to do that and um and it's been really tricky then to talk to anyone or just process how we're feeling about it because we were in, in that first lockdown we couldn't meet so everything was like this at best and mm -hmm. and on the phone at worst so I know that um there are a lot of people feeling really kind of isolated and the isolation had led to almost directly I guess to the death of this friend of mine um so that was equally tricky really and and um difficult to think about so i don't envy you in trying to plan and think about how you can bring that human element and relationship to this process when when things just keep changing because i don't know if anybody in that setting had the dignity or the opportunity to just grieve or think about the, the person that they cared for in the same way as you might have if you went to a live funeral. Did you did you feel any way that it was um, you know more voyeuristic because you were watching it on television and not watching it by you know sitting next to somebody who you could hold their hand or you know you could hear people crying and know that it's okay to grieve whereas you were watching it kind of on television. Yeah, well, I think the, um, I think I, I felt uncomfortable at the time, um, but I also felt a little bit like, well, okay, if people are at a distance, this is better than nothing. I'd rather be mm -hmm. seeing this. And if there were people overseas, they could watch it um, online. What happened sub subsequently, which is something I believe is happening quite a lot, if, is that the film was shared online. Mm -hmm. And there are hundreds of people who've seen it and it, and it feels... You know, I mean, I don't know, but I can't imagine that five, six hundred people, you know, or more, if anyone can watch it and access it, that feels quite mm. uncomfortable and voyeuristic, as you say. Um, mm. And the intimacy of that kind of shared experience of celebrating the end of somebody's life, you know, mm. celebrating their life and, and being there when that's ended that that's been lost really um and and i did have someone sort of unconnected from a different sort of circle of um friends tell me about this particular funeral and i really was really shocked that they'd encountered it on a social media platform but i found that quite shocking your your own personal experience was being reported to you by, by a kind of secondary person mm. As if they then owned it. 
it's it's really it's really difficult isn't it we're sharing much more than we probably would want to share um you know you were you were saying about you know you were looking at the funeral celebrant and, and using more scrutiny well as the funeral celebrant i am receiving that i'm feeling it mm. because i'm i'm standing there and ordinarily i do my job and i say my words and i i press the buttons to make the curtains closed and take mm. the loved one away from view and then I can go home. Uh, but now, so many of the ceremonies that I perform are on Facebook. Mm. Uh, families come in and record them themselves to be able to share. And quite often they'll put um, a tripod or, or something to the side. And I then feel quite exposed. I mean, I, I feel that I'm under that scrutiny. So it's an additional mm. pressure for me. Mm. you won't see it because I'm professional and, mm. and that's what I do for a living much as any of us that do a job we we do it but when I when I get home and I get a link sent to me saying you know there are now 2,000 people who have watched the ceremony I feel quite taken aback by that and I mm. can't imagine what that must feel like for a, a small family um, you know and friends gathering where now thousands of people are privy to their pain and their loss and the music that they chose that would mm. be so personal to them. Mm. But whether the curtains were open or closed, the poems, I mean, they're private stories because the eulogy as a, as a, a civil funeral celebrant, um, the eulogies that I write for people are based on their personal life history. And, and to personalise, often people want the good and the bad. You know, it's not unusual to use the word, you know, so-and-so was, you know, a real curmudgeon or, you know, you know what she was like. When, when I've never met the person, but mm -hmm. that's what I'm being asked to portray. And now that's on Facebook forever. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because this person who was telling me about um, this funeral they'd seen online um, told it in by reciting one of the stories that the celebrant had told which was a story about this person as a small child. And it was quite, a, you know, it was a personal memory from the parent, from his mom. And, um, you know, so yeah, so I can really understand, like from your perspective, how difficult that is. And, and, and I was really kind of quite taken aback um, mm. that, it, that it was out there. So in terms of you kind of performing the, the ceremony, in front of not only the few people that might be able to attend and managing all of that, you're kind of in the mm. back of your mind. Are you thinking then who's watching this and and why? Yeah, um, and one of the things that surprised me was in the first first few times that um, I, I did this, you know, I was I was pretty horror struck mm. because I could I could be seen kind of scratching the back of my leg with my shoe. Mm. You no, know, normally I can't be seen doing anything. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes if I feel emotional, I might pinch my finger or scrunch my hands up underneath yeah. the lectern to try and release the tension. Mm. But of course, I can't do any of that. So now I'm completely exposed and I have to have a, a, another layer of neutrality. Mm. But I'm also feeling like I'm on television. Mm. And I found myself now adding to my practice, turning to the, the phone or the camera that's on mm. and saying, as we welcome you know Everybody. families from overseas you know wow. hello and 
hello America, hello, you mm. know, Canada, what, wherever it is. And that's become something that has become a norm in what I do. And then I find myself looking and suddenly seeing all the hearts go up as soon as I mention a particular person who can't be there or acknowledge wow. yeah, acknowledge that people, you know, and can we please hold the people who can't be here today in, in our thoughts mm -hmm. as they are watching today. And all of a sudden, there's like, you know, hundreds of hearts going up or thumbs up. And it's, it is, it's surreal for me too, because I'm having yeah. to work on a completely different platform as well. Yeah. And to engage with those people who are mourning the loss as you were, yeah. you know, some, somebody that you know has died and you want to be part of that ceremony to say goodbye to them. Yeah. But, but those are the, you know, the new ways of, of working. And, you know, they're, they're very personal things which are out there forever. And I think, I don't think there's any control on it right now. And so, I think it will be a worry later on. You've been listening to an End of Life Studies podcast from the University of Glasgow. For more information, please go to glasgow.ac.uk forward slash end of life studies.